Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of No Fair Catch. I'm Jack, and today I'm going to be giving you a preview of the CFL Draft that's set to take place on Thursday evening, that's May the 3rd. And I just want to say that TSN, in my opinion, has done a great job of building the CFL Draft to be somewhat of a television spectacle, whereas 10 years ago the CFL Draft would be something that even the most uh, diehard CFL fans wouldn't pay that much attention to, which is really a crime because this is our opportunity to see all of uh, all the great players that uh, Canada has produced over the years uh, get their shot at uh, CFL uh, football, and uh, it, gives, it gives the local fans especially a chance to get invested in these guys' careers uh, early on. Um, additionally, just before I begin my my, my breakdown of my mock draft that I've done, um, which you can also find, uh, please locate on my uh, blog URL, which is uh, nofaircatch.blogspot.com. Uh, I want to just quickly address the uh, the Eastern team uh, uh, jersey revitalization that occurred and uh, were released today. Uh, Western teams are coming tomorrow, so at the time of this uh, the recording of this podcast, I have not seen the Western team's jerseys yet. Aside from a, uh, a Nikki photo of the, uh, the Riders jersey that uh, appeared online, uh, the jersey looked good, but the photo was poor quality, so I'm looking forward to seeing it in full resolution tomorrow. Uh, but just to really quickly break down the jerseys, uh, I give uh, Montreal and Winnipeg a big thumbs down, and I give uh, Hamilton Toronto a big thumbs up. Uh, if, you, if you disagree with me, I don't want to go into any more detail on that, uh, just simply because I want to get to my mock draft as soon as possible. But feel free to bash me on Twitter if you disagree at, at Jack no Fair Catch. Uh, now, moving on to my mock draft. Now, I wanted to, uh, to do a mock draft that wasn't based on what I predict will occur uh, come Thursday in the CFL draft. It's To me, that's boring. I want to give you my own take on what I think teams should be doing, what is in the best interest of teams and the best interest of our young Canadian football players. So here's what I have. Please uh, uh, check on uh, my, uh, again, please check on my blog to see my post because I'm going to be referring to uh, the information listed on this, uh, this blog entry. Uh, that that goes along hand in hand with this podcast, so it's it'll be great if you can follow along at home. It'll be really cute and help you uh, help you keep up with what I'm saying. Uh, so round one, I have the Saskatchewan Rough Riders drafting wide receiver Shamad Chambers out of Wilfrid Laurier University. Now I know that Ben Heenan is going to be going in this spot, or at least it would be a, certainly a shocker if Ben Heenan didn't. Uh, however, personally, I believe that the Riders with the the uh, the retirement of Jason Claremont, and uh, given that he never really fully uh, lived up to expectations there, and then, of course, the huge free agency signing uh, when Andy Fantuz left Saskatchewan and went to Hamilton, I believe full-heartedly that the Riders need to pick up a receiver. Uh, the fans there, after a very disappointing 2011 season, need to see a guy who can go out there and hopefully produce in his first year uh, as a rider. And uh, while there's no slight of Ben's Ben Heaton, I'm sure Ben Heenan will get a very good chance to start wherever he goes, but I simply don't think that the Riders need him. Uh, given the insane amount of money they threw at guys like Dominic Picard and uh, Brendan Labatt, of course, coming over from Hamilton and Winnipeg, respectively. And in addition to that, they just locked up Chris Best to a new deal. They truly don't need a Canadian interior offensive lineman. And that's something that 99.9% of the time you would never say about a team, given that Canadian offensive linemen who can play uh, very uh, to a very high level in the interior part of the line. Uh, they're such a hot commodity, such a rarity, and such a gift for any of the teams who can get those guys. But the Riders truly don't don't need them. They can pick up a, a depth guy uh, in the later rounds of the draft if they so choose. And uh, they, I, do, I truly don't believe that they need a person to come in right now and fill the interior part of their offensive line, given the money that they spend in free agency. Plus, if you remember correctly, Brendan Labatt left Winnipeg because he wanted to come back home to Saskatchewan. Why wouldn't Ben Heenan then do that in three years, uh, just as just as Brendan Labatt did uh, after spending some time with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? You know, you never know if Ben Heenan will want to sign back in Saskatchewan because he because he comes from Saskatchewan University. 
Plus, I believe that Shamad Chambers will be a quality CFL receiver. The last time Saskatchewan had the first overall pick in the Canadian football draft, we had uh, uh, Shamari William, defensive end, uh, come in for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders organization. And two years later, I would call him a bust at this point. He may still develop into a starter, but the truth is uh, Saskatchewan is willing to throw money at imports uh, like Brent Hawkins, who really haven't proven themselves and have been injury prone. And uh, guys like Odell Willis uh, coming over in the trade from Winnipeg, who has some character issues. And to me, if you're willing to take chances on imports, uh, that definitely shows me that your non-import players who are supposed to have been developing in the past two years have simply uh, not cut it, and you're not expecting them to anytime soon. Uh, additionally, I've been uh, I've heard anyways that uh, Shamari Williams has been asked to lose some weight and possibly shift back to middle linebacker. Uh, and if that's the case, then that's 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 a really bad sign for Ryder fans. I believe that that means that uh, Shamari Williams will likely never line up at defensive end in the CFL. And you know who knows, maybe a couple years down the road he'll be a successful middle linebacker uh, but that remains to be seen so far though I'd call him a big bust and uh, I think Saskatchewan needs to capitalize on this, on this opportunity to not only get possibly the best player in the draft uh, but also somebody who a will likely not go to the NFL and b somebody who can step in at a place where they have need now of course just talking about Ben Heenan possibly going to Saskatchewan in three years I believe that he will be the second player picked in this CFL draft as he will be drafted by Eric Tillman the man who loves nothing more than to draft Canadian offensive linemen. Uh, ben Heenan, I believe, uh, could even push for a, a starting spot. Uh, the the Eskimos are quite loaded at offensive line. Uh, just last year, they, they uh, drafted Scott Mitchell very high up in the 2011 CFL draft, and it's believed that he will certainly push for an interior offensive line spot. And they also have some other guys, Gordon Hinsey, uh, Kyle Koch, uh, Brian Ramsey, uh, who can all start in that interior spot. And Simeon Roche may even get a chance to start at tackle. We'll see coming over uh, from Hamilton and free agency uh, this season. But with that said, Edmonton is al always trying to get younger uh, along their offensive line, uh, hence the uh, the release of uh, aging Patrick Cabongo, who, you know, other than his age, did have some struggles. Uh, but uh, definitely I cannot see Eric Tillman passing up on this player. If he's available at two, which I don't believe he will be, uh, but I think he should be, uh, then definitely I see Eric Tillman uh, not hesitating to pick him up. At third, this is a this is an area where I had to uh, kind of draw the line a little bit. Hamilton Tiger Cats just lost Simeon Roche uh, to uh, the Edmonton Eskimos, uh, where uh, Simeon is originally from. And so I see them drafting uh, offensive lineman Austin Pastor uh, out of Virginia. The issue with this pick is that... Uh, uh, Austin was just recently signed as an undrafted free agent by the NFL's Minnesota Vikings. Uh, personally, I see him as training camp fodder. I do not think that he'll get a chance uh, to really stick around with that team and develop, and I think Hamilton probably feels the same way. Uh, but they are in a position where their offensive line isn't in such a bad position uh, that they need uh, somebody who can come and play right away. They can wait on somebody who might not be here for maybe one or two years, uh, but it is likely that Pastor will be back in the CFL sometime soon, and that's why I see him going, uh, going at the number uh, three spot. Um, also so another reason that I see this happening is because there's quite a large drop from Pastor to the next offensive lineman in the CFL's official rankings. And if the Tigcats miss out on Pastor at, at, at spot three, they know they're probably not going to get someone even remotely close to his abilities later on in the draft in the second or third round. Uh, even though they do hold a reasonably high pick at uh, spot number 10, uh, which is the third pick in the second round. Uh, at number four, I see the BC Lions 
looking for a replacement for retired veteran Brent Johnson. I see them going to Wofford to pick up defensive end Amit Paul. Now, there are some defensive ends who are seen as being a little bit better than Amit Paul in this draft, with one of them being Christo Bilukidi from Georgia State. Hope I'm saying that name right, by the way. Uh, Bilukidi was drafted in the sixth round of this year's NFL draft by the Oakland Raiders. And um, unlike Pazdor, I think that Bilukidi might have a shot getting there down south. He's a big body at six foot five, which is a prototypical size uh, for somebody going into the uh, the American version of this uh, sport that we call football. And uh, I think the chances of him coming up uh, up north are a little bit smaller than Pazdor's. And for that reason, I believe that the Lions draft Paul because they know that he's going to be in the CFL and they have need at that position, uh, a need that they haven't had for a long time. A long time they had um, guys like Brent Johnson who could come off the end. And they had, um, of course... Ricky Foley, uh, who is now a Toronto Argonaut, but was a uh, BC Lion for many years uh, before he made the switch in free agency after his brief NFL stint. So suddenly uh, the the BC Lions are experiencing this need that they have not had in a long time. And for that reason, I see them drafting Paul, someone who could show up now, uh, maybe take one or two years to develop, and then hopefully be a force for them down the road. At fifth, I have the Calgary Stampeders. Now, I would expect the Calgary Stampeders to possibly trade down a little bit on draft day. Uh, Calgary is one of these teams who has such great Canadian content, they really don't need to go out and draft uh, a highly ranked player. They can trade down, pick up lots of uh, a high number of prospects. They already have a lot of picks in this draft, mind you. I believe the most of any team with a, a grand total of nine. Uh, but even with that said, I think that they can uh, trade this pick down, maybe pick up a couple second-round picks, and... Um, just look for those diamonds in the rough uh, that their scouting department has done such a wonderful job of finding over the years. However, in this draft, because I decided not to include any trades, uh, given the unpredictability of, of the nature of, uh, of course, CFL trade business, uh, I decided to let them keep the fifth-round pick, and uh, with that, they have to draft the best, uh, the next best available player, uh, which, of course, is linebacker Frederick Polisius uh, out of Laval. Polisius is seen as a one-man wrecking crew and a guy who can really be a difference maker in CFL games down the road. Uh, currently, the Calgary Stampeders do have uh, quite a number of uh, Canadian linebackers who can play. However, uh, Polisius could be a guy who flies around on special teams for them and uh, develops uh, possibly even into a starter, uh, or at least for the meantime, can be a very competent backup uh, to those Canadian uh, linebackers in case one of them goes down, uh, which is often the case given the amount of special teams plays and a uh, high high speed uh, impact uh, those players tend to take over the course of a season. At sixth overall, I see the Edmonton Eskimos taking uh, the best next best wide receiver in my eyes anyways in the draft which is Ishmael Bamba out of Sherbrooke. Now uh, Simon Charbonneau Campo uh, also from Sherbrooke is seen as being a little bit higher in the rankings than Bamba uh, but personally uh, the way I look at Edmonton's roster is they have a significant number of guys uh, whose speed is just so-so uh, but have great height. They just recently picked up Aaron Hargraves formerly of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, Matt Carter formerly of the Hamilton Tiger Cats and they are uh, of course of, uh, have veteran uh, Andrew Nowacki uh, who's another tall uh, tall body uh, who really never gets thrown to, to be perfectly honest. And between those three players, uh, I see Edmonton uh, probably just using them as training camp fodder at this point, maybe planning on only keeping one, uh, simply because keeping those three players uh, really makes no sense. Uh, they all play very similarly, and in that it means they, they're all big bodies who never get the ball. They're simply not cut out uh, to be uh, day-in, day-out starters. They're decent special teams guys and uh, big trees who can stand along the sidelines and offensive plays where you're intending to throw the ball another place and uh, the Edmonton Eskimos do not need another big body that's my point in saying this they do 
a guy like Bamba. He's only six foot one, uh, so he's not six foot four, six foot five like all those guys I previously mentioned. And he's got great speed. He almost ran just under a four point five in the forty yard dash at uh, the CFL E Camp. And uh, with those, with that speed and good hands, I think that he's the next best option uh, for Edmonton in this draft, especially after getting a guy like Ben Heenan, uh, who can definitely be a, a game changer in the trenches. Um, and it's nice too because I, I personally believe that aside from Chambers, this is really the first sexy pick uh, in the draft. Fans always like it when their teams uh, pick somebody who's at a very visible position, a, a very sexy position. You know, somebody like a running back or a wide receiver, uh, somebody who who gets the ball, uh, and it's very easily e easy to see how they're doing. You know, it's very difficult to de for fans to determine how a guard is developing, for instance, as opposed to a wide receiver who's all out in the open running routes and catching balls. Hopefully, anyways. And uh, so this is this will be great for Edmonton Eskimo fans. After getting, uh, you know, not necessarily the sexiest pick at number two, uh, they get a guy who can hopefully be a game changer down the road for them at number six. At number seven, we have the BC Lions drafting again. And oh, just, you know, to throw this out there, I, I think the rest of the CFL should be very scared. The BC Lions do have uh, quality Canadian players uh, up the wazoo. Not as much as some teams like Calgary and Montreal, but they do have a good core of Canadian players. And they're adding to it with two first round picks in this uh, year's CFL draft, which is rather terrifying when you think about it. About it, uh, given how good they were this last year. Uh, with this pick, I see the BC Lions going with a, uh, a guy who grew up uh, playing in the uh, the American football system, uh, Jabbar Westerman out of Eastern Michigan. Uh, Westerman just appeared on the uh, CFL's uh, kind of draft scouting uh, list, and uh, he just recently shot into the rankings. And personally, I love him. He's a, he's a huge body. I believe he's six foot four, two eighty five. Uh, so he's a defensive tackle, and um, now, BC doesn't necessarily need a defensive tackle. However, uh, talking about their uh, the loss of Brent Johnson and Ricky Foley just over the past little while, uh, they do need some interior defensive line depth. Uh, that is Canadian. They do have guys like Khalif Mitchell uh, who can really hurt you. However, they did just lose Aaron Hunt, uh, an aging uh, import player. Uh, so perhaps Westerman, uh, you know, might might only be uh, one play from getting into a game even this season uh, with uh, the loss of Hunt, uh, who went over to Montreal. And I would love this pick. And this pick actually really hurts our next team on the list. At number eight, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the first pick of the second round, a pick that came over in the infamous Odell Willis trade uh, because the Bombers, of course, losing two interior Canadian offensive or uh, defensive linemen, rather, then uh, uh, being uh, Doug Brown to retirement and Don Ramassian uh, to free agency to Edmonton. Uh, they definitely need somebody who can play in the interior of a defensive line uh, who is a uh, non-import in this draft. Now, of course, you're not going to find somebody out there who's the next Doug Brown. I mean, in one of these years, we will. Uh, I don't think he's in this draft as good as Westerman uh, may turn out to be, uh, given the recent shoot-up in his ranking. Uh, however, uh, I see the Bombers waiting with this pick. They're not going to use it to draft a defensive lineman uh, simply because the, 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 the break between a guy like Westerman and the next best interior defensive lineman in this draft is rather large. Uh, therefore, I see them going in the offensive side of the ball, where they lost just recently Obi Khan, uh, longtime center there, uh, to retirement, and uh, which was a which was a big shock, by the way. I don't think anyone uh, uh, foresaw that with Khan, especially only being 32 and just just re-upping his contract with them uh, two off seasons ago, or perhaps one off season ago. Uh, but anyways, he was under contract for at least one more season, and uh, at only 32, offensive linemen are just kind of hitting the prime of their career, or maybe just starting to hit the decline. Uh, but Certainly, he would have been in Bomber colors for another two or three years minimum if he wanted to. Uh, however, with the also uh, the big loss of Brandon Labatt, of course, to Saskatchewan, the Bombers are, are starved uh, for an offensive lineman to play on the interior of that line. And for that reason, I see them drafting uh, Matt Norman uh, out of Western. Norman is uh, currently ranked number 10 on the 
CFL's ranking board. So it's a, this is a little bit higher than uh, he perhaps may otherwise go. Uh, however, the Bombers have a huge need at this position. And Norman, I think a lot of people feel as though he can be a competent uh, uh, interior offensive lineman in the CFL. He's got some mobility. Uh, he can potentially be a guard who can pull uh, in, in situations where you need somebody who can do that. Uh, decent speed for a guy his size. And while this is not a sexy pick at all, this is not a, a, a pick that the people of Winnipeg are going to be you know, falling over, their, falling over the, uh, each other about, uh, given that uh, you know, Matt Norman's not exactly going to be a household name for a few years to come. Uh, but perhaps the potential is there. He'll take a few years to uh, to probably get a starting spot if he does get one. Uh, but uh, personally, I think it's a quality pick. And uh, again, it's key. It's key for the Bombers to get Norman to this position if Westerman is not available, uh, because uh, as with the defensive line, uh, with Westerman's pick going at at seven, uh, if if Norman does goes before the Bombers get a chance to find him, there's a big drop uh, in quality of players available on the offensive line, particularly the guys who can play in the interior part of the line. Uh, uh, so I think it's key that they either get Westerman or Norman at this position. I have them getting uh, Norman. Uh, whoever, if, if neither player is available and uh, a guy like Paul at defensive end is already gone, then we may have some trouble uh, in Winnipeg. However, you never know. Joe Mack is a guy who proved last year with number four pick, Jada Tien, that he likes to go off the board. So maybe he has somebody completely different in mind and we uh, have not been uh, thinking about. With the ninth pick in the draft, the uh, Toronto Argonauts finally get their first stab at uh, uh, drafting a Canadian player. Uh, Toronto uh, gave up the second over overall pick in the draft to Edmonton uh, this offseason with a trade uh, for uh, quarterback Ricky Ray uh, and with a few other players uh, going in that deal as well. Uh, personally, I still feel, even though this draft pick is something that uh, the Eskimos are going to be able to use to draft a great player like Ben Heenan, I still think that Toronto wins this uh, deal outright, uh, given just, just given that they finally solved their quarterbacking issue that they've had uh, really since the... Uh, uh, well, who knows how far back. Yeah, you could even make an argument that they haven't had a great quarterback since Doug Flutie of uh, the late uh, late 1990s, which is which is wild to think of. But, hey, they solved their problem with that trade. And uh, while it hurts their Canadian depth a little bit, uh, I'd still take the quarterback over the Canadian depth any day uh, because Ben Heenan won't win you a great cup. He'll help you, but Ricky Ray can win you a great cup. But anyways, that trade aside, I want to get back to the draft here, and I have them drafting wide receiver Simon Charbonneau-Campeau uh, out of Sherbrooke. And uh, again, I talked about, about this player individually a little bit with uh, Bamba going sixth overall in my mock draft uh, to the Edmonton Eskimos, and that'll be some uh, some bragging rights for Bamba going before uh, Simon uh, Charbonneau-Campeau, uh, given that they were teammates to Sherbrooke and uh, personally I don't think that Charbonneau Campo is going to be a bad CFL wide receiver I just worry about him a little bit with the height issue and uh, his speed does look pretty good looking at his ECAMP results uh, however the CFL is littered with big tall lanky guys uh, who just couldn't get their hands on the ball couldn't get into games and uh, I worry about his um, his build a little bit he looks a little bit frail uh, his his strength testing out of Ecamp was pathetic, and uh, for that reason, I have him a, a bit lower on my board. However, Toronto is desperate for anybody who can catch passes from a curé, uh, regardless of their nationality. And if they can find a guy who can come in, uh, even just in a, uh, a kind of a backup role or a depth role, uh, that's a huge step in the right direction for Toronto, uh, given that they're really revamping their uh, their receiving core, especially after um, really their their biggest uh, competent uh, threat last year, uh, Jermaine Copeland retiring to become the wide receivers coach uh, for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So I believe this is a good pick for Toronto. It's not a player that I personally uh, hold very highly 
in my regard. However, uh, Toronto needs somebody, and this is a, a decent pick to get ninth overall in the draft. Now, we actually want to skip over the 10th uh, pick in this draft just really quickly, uh, which I'm picking to be defensive back Keenan McDougal out of Saskatchewan uh, going to Hamilton. And uh, just focus on the 11th overall pick, uh, the Montreal OX, uh, who I have selecting defensive end Christo Bilikidi uh, out of Georgia State. I talked about Bilikidi a little bit with Amit Paul going fourth overall to the Lions in my mock draft with Bilikidi being passed over because of his uh, Oakland Raider uh, contract that he is sure to sign the next few days after uh, being drafted by them sixth overall. Um, personally, I think it's uh, been clearly shown over the years that uh, Jim Pop, general manager of the Montreal Alouettes, has no qualms whatsoever about drafting players who he might never see in the CFL. I do think that Bilokidi will come up in the CFL in a few years. Uh, however, uh, I, I certainly don't think that Jim Pop has an issue waiting a little while longer to get the best player that he possibly can. Uh, I also thought perhaps he might take Tyrone Crawford here. Uh, however, just given the uh, the amount of, uh, uh, of of rounds that Tyrone Crawford was selected earlier than B. Lukidi, uh, with Crawford going in the third round as opposed to the sixth round, I think Pop might hold off on Crawford uh, just a little bit longer. We'll see. Uh, but I have them picking B. Lukidi here because they don't need somebody to come in right away. They do have some need on their defense line, uh, but personally, I don't think even a guy like Bill Okidi is ready to step in and be a starter right away uh, to replace uh, a guy like Anwar Stewart, uh, who uh, was just released this offseason and uh, is actually still looking for work as a uh, an aging import veteran in the CFL, which unfortunately for aging import veterans is never a good spot to be in this league. So now that I've broken down the, uh, the first round of the draft and at least the first overall pick for each individual team in the Canadian Football League, I'm just going to highlight a few of the uh, picks that I have left here. I have uh, the Calgary Stampeders selecting Kirby Fabian at 12. Uh, I think it is likely that Fabian will be here uh, available at this point in the draft. And I have them selecting Fabian because, they, you know, again, like I said, every CFL team needs uh, more depth on their offensive line in terms of non-imports. And uh, Calgary loves to stay local with uh, Kirk, uh, Kirby Fabian being a uh, Calgary uh, Dinos uh, product. Uh, so he'll, I think, uh, like Anthony Parker and many players before him, stay in his home city and uh, play for the Stampeders. I have the Bombers selecting Justin uh, Cappy Chiotti at uh, 13 uh, with them finally getting the defensive lineman that they need. Um, I think uh, Capicciotti is not exactly a candidate uh, coming out of Simon Fraser to, to replace Doug Brown, a former great uh, Simon Fraser product, uh, filling in that defensive tackle spot for the Bombers for 11 seasons. However, he's you know probably the next the next best thing available uh, currently in this draft uh, to potentially fill that role. I see the Lions uh, selecting a wide receiver, uh, Prill. Next overall to uh, to just keep building some depth. Uh, I know they have Marco Iannuzzi, who's a uh, real burner there in terms of speed, but I think April uh, is probably the best uh, pick of this draft uh, left. Uh, from then on, I see uh, the Ticats going a bit off the board at at 17, uh, selecting Nathan Riva, a real uh, a burner of a, a running back out of Western. Uh, the Ticats need some uh, some depth at running back, particularly at the non-import spot. And I, I think that Riva would be a good fit there. Uh, he may even be able to help in the kick return game uh, with the departure of Marcus Thigpen uh, to the NFL. Uh, additionally, I see the Calgary Stampeders being the team to select uh, formerly highly touted defensive end product Tyrone Crawford out of Boise State. Uh, of course, his stock fell greatly because of his selection by the uh, Dallas Cowboys in the NFL uh, draft uh, just this past week in the third overall uh, round of that draft. Uh, Calgary, again, is a team that does not need to uh, hurry Canadian guys up into the lineup. They have all the players that they need, and they're simply trying to build depth. So even if Crawford never comes to the NFL, if they can find a guy 
or pardon me, if, if Crawford never comes to the CFL, rather, uh, obviously he's already in the NFL, but if he if he never comes up to the CFL, the Stampeders don't need to sweat it. They're giving up a third-round pick for a guy uh, who may come up, may not, but it's worth the risk, absolutely, to get a guy as good as Crawford in the third round, a uh, place where not many guys end up making it uh, big out of, this, out of the draft. Uh, additionally, I have uh, Austin Anderson going at 22nd uh, spot, the first kicker to be drafted in this draft. Uh, I see them uh, going that way after Justin Medlock left for the, the NFL's Carolina Panthers and uh, Josh Mavidi uh, being a reasonably unknown uh, kicker there. Um, so they're going to bring, uh, I believe, Anderson from McGill uh, in to try and challenge him for that spot. If they don't, I see them making a trade, to be perfectly honest, before training camp, uh, simply because they don't want to tie uh, uh, Mavidi as being the only horse to their buggy. I think that they need at least one of their option in training camp to, at the very least, push Mavidi to be the best that he can possibly be. And you know what? I honestly don't think this will happen. However, I put this on the draft board simply because I had to. I, I believe that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, well, I don't believe, but I hope, <laughs> I hope anyways, that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers draft Brett Cameron, puncher out of University of North Dakota with the 20, 21st overall spot. I think actually Cameron will go quite a bit lower than this, but the truth is the Bombers need a punter, and the last great punch that they had, of course, was Bob Cameron. And uh, Brett Cameron is the son of uh, retired uh, CFL Hall of Fame punter Bob Cameron, who literally punted in Winnipeg for a thousand years and uh, hopefully uh, we get to watch Brent Cameron punting in Winnipeg for the next 20 years with the uh, the same amount of success that Bob did up until the ripe old age of 46 when he finally retired, uh, definitely being one of the oldest uh, CFL players or probably football player worldwide uh, to, be, uh, to, to, to still be playing at that remarkably old age. Uh, so if you want to look at the rest of my board, I, I kind of filled things out according to uh, what teams need by position. Uh, you know, the Bombers drafting another offensive lineman, Tyler Penser, uh, whose stock fell quite a bit. Uh, the Riders picking up a wide receiver. Uh, it's not their first uh, point of uh, of, uh, of need in this draft, given that Chambers goes first overall to them. Uh, however, he's a, a real burner in terms of speed, uh, who's decent size at 6'2", who I think they could really use out of Ottawa. And... Uh, Aside from that, just keep looking at the board, and, uh, you know, again, I don't suspect that things will shake down exactly this way, but I think I've done a good job of at least uh, getting the uh, juices in your mouth going for the CFL draft, getting excited, getting your getting your mind going, and thinking about what, uh, what player you're hoping your team selects first uh, this year, because things can go a lot of different ways. We never know what's going to happen in this crazy football league that we support. I, I've, I've heard the CFL called that actually quite a few times. The C does not stand for Canadian. It stands for crazy. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, anyways, I hope that this podcast has got you excited for the CFL draft. I know I'm definitely a lot more excited for it, having done this. And uh, of course, also remember that the CFL draft is not three rounds, as I uh, filled out here. But I simply decided not to do a fourth or sixth round, uh, because by that point, I think teams draft boards are so remarkably different uh, that it would really be fruitless and, and, and pointless for me to do a fourth to sixth round. I remember last year, you know, the first two rounds of the CFL draft are televised, of course, and then after that it goes to online, and the teams make the picks in less than 20 minutes, it seems, uh, the rounds uh, uh, three to six, uh, just given that the team's draft boards look so different. Every team thinks that they have the next diamond in the rough, uh, the next uh, uh, player who goes in, the, in a very late round to go on to become a Hall of Fame uh, CFL football player, and uh, 
But again, that's super exciting in and of itself. It's always, you know, it's it's impressive when a guy who goes first overall makes the Hall of Fame, but it's even a better story when a guy who uh, never was really given a chance or was never seen as being that good, aside from one team who decided to draft him out of college and uh, believe in him and uh, have him end up uh, having a super successful career and end up in the Hall of Fame. It's a remarkable, remarkable story that we love seeing time and time again, uh, regardless of what league you're a fan of. So with that said, thank you so much for joining me for today's episode of No Fair Catch. I'm Jack, and I'm telling you to enjoy the CFL draft. Let's hope that my mock draft isn't a complete pile of crap. (laughs) Anyways, have a nice day. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Oh, and additionally, before I let you go, I just wanted to add that, remember, uh, next week uh, I will be uh, doing a recap show uh, for the CFL draft and uh, talking about uh, which teams I believe are most successful and uh, unsuccessful in the draft, Uh, the good things, the bad things, talking about any trades that are made uh, during the time of the CFL draft, which will undoubtedly be made with guys like Tamman and Tillman. Uh, bring, bringing their usual game to the table, I'm sure. And uh, also taking a look at my mock draft, seeing what I got right, what I got wrong, what made me look smart, what made me look dumb, and all that good stuff. So thank you so much. I hope to see you guys next week on No Fair Catch. Take care.